smoke weed every day. That's not a demand, but it would probably make the world a happier place. Do whatever you want, though, as long as it includes being 420 friendly and listening to this podcast. Welcome to Bitch Out of Water, the show for you, a curious person who's ready to try anything or at least learn about it. We're the World Girls. I'm Roxy. This is Steph. Smoke weed every day. Great intro and great song forever. Truth. This is Darina. Because I got high. Because I got high. Da 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 da. It was so weird though. I was going to clean my room, but then I got high. It's like when I get high, I clean the hell out of my room. It affects people differently. We'll talk about that today. So, you want to give cannabis a whirl? Okay, you dope bitches, come with us. Before I throw it to my stoner queens in life, I have to start by saying that cannabis is still super illegal in many places. And as our resident white girl right here, I am extremely privileged to even be able to do a podcast about weed and feel safe-ish discussing it. But of course, my experience and positive relationship with weed is incredibly different than a lot of the beautiful stoners of color that have come before me or even now. And we will dive into that more in a little bit. But before that, let's get some of the fun stuff started. So let me throw to you, Dee. I'm curious, how did you initially find weed? Take us back. For our listeners that already know us, uh, y'all know I grew up in Mexico and I was there until I was 18. And the city I grew up in, the town, was definitely a traditional Catholic, pretty conservative way of growing up. And any sort of drug use was very much frowned upon, not only in my own family. I grew up with a very strict mom, but uh, I remember my grandma kind (laughs) of looking down upon people that she would see outside and be like, look at that drugged up person. And she would say the word marijuanos, mira ese marijuano, which is just calling somebody that's, you know, look at that uh, marijuana user. And that was like the worst thing that she could call somebody because she, she didn't cuss, right? So I grew up around people in my own culture, my family and my city that just thought that all drugs were bad. I was also a child of the 80s, so I very much remember the cartoon all-stars and the Nancy Reagan say no to drugs BS that was, you know, promoted from the states that made it to across the border, uh, saying that drugs were awful to the point where as a kid, I thought marijuana was as horrible as something like uh, heroin. Um, So it's interesting that I am now a cannabis user for many reasons that we'll get into, but that was my first impression I guess uh, for years and years to the point where I didn't really try it for the first time until I moved to the states and I was in college and that was the first time that I you know uh, some friends were smoking from a bong and I didn't even know how to do that obviously and I think I smoked a little bit I don't even remember being high but that was the first time I tried it and I just remember it not doing much And even though I was kind of nervous about it and thinking that it was going to get me really messed up. And then I remember this didn't do anything like I I don't feel any different. And in fact, getting drunk is a way crazier, worse feeling. So that was like my first real experience with it. And then I never really tried it again until I was uh, in my 30s in Los Angeles. And we'll get into that more. But it was literally mostly because medical marijuana had become legal. And so I got a card because I was having like massive amounts of uh, panic attacks. 
Um, and that's, that was really the first time that I said, maybe I should try that in conjunction with therapy and, and see how it goes. And, and that was my first real experience uh, using it was for more for medical purposes. So you didn't smoke for the first time until you were 20. And then for a decade, you didn't smoke. And then you started actually smoking in your 30s. Exactly. And mostly edibles, actually. But I, I started actually trying different types of marijuana and learning about the different strains and all of that for the purposes of anxiety. Wow. Steph, what about for you? What was your household experience? What was it like? The the word weed, was it the same as heroin for you growing up? I grew up with the feds. So <laughs> yes, in federal government, weed is still very much illegal. And it is in the same boat as heroin legitimately legally it's a schedule one drug where heroin is also and that is bonkers ridiculous if anyone that knows logic realize that then that wouldn't be the case and then you have to ask yourself logically if you do know that then why do you keep it a schedule one racism and a lot of other shit so i thought weed was really bad growing up and I didn't try it for a long time until college and then I was like oh I feel actually way more in control with the weed as opposed to alcohol which we are such an alcohol country you know when you're watching any sporting games there's about at least 10 different alcohol commercials that you might see in one sitting but when we're talking about weed it's this devil's lettuce jargon attached to it so I had to do a lot of self-exploration and research it on a different level to have my own understanding of it and I remember a big thing that changed the way I look at weed was I watched an excellent documentary and there are many but this was one called weed the people And it basically discussed the fact that weed is an herb that comes from the earth that has been used for thousands of years medicinally and recreationally. And it was only in the last 100 years of our existence as humans that it has become illegal. So you have to ask yourself why. And then I started to see all the research behind what it does for cancer patients and people with chronic illness, chronic pain. And I started to change my view of this is a drug to this is a healing herb that has a lot of greatness to it. Yeah, it's crazy how the word drug has a negative connotation these days Mm -hmm. when that's not what a drug is. A drug, we're we're supposed to make drugs that help people and, and drugs are supposed to. But now when you say drug, you think dare. Say no to drugs. Nancy Reagan. Which is very bizarre considering prescription drugs, a lot of them are way worse than weed. But it's just you put the little prescription word before it, drugs, and then it becomes somehow better. Right. When, Steph, was the first time, first age that you felt like you actually had your own thoughts on cannabis as opposed to societies or your families? Probably 20 years old is when I started to notice how it made loved ones react like how it was influential in their life good or bad because as we'll discuss everything is different for everyone and at the end of the day I really believe moderation is everything and everyone's version of moderation looks different to what you're doing but at about 20 I realized that the stoners were fucking awesome 
And there was more to it than pieces of lazy shit that stayed in bed and ate garbage all day and didn't work and didn't want to be productive and all of this. And while it does aid in some good relaxation, which we all need, I know some of the most hardworking, creative, outpouring people that smoke weed. So I would say around my early 20s is when I really started to weigh, change the lens in which I viewed weed and weed consumption. I think I had a very different experience than most as I've come to find out now in my 30s and in my later 20s talking to people like you, Steph, and you, D, because you only know your own experience growing up. And so you think that everybody kind of is on the same wavelength And I didn't realize how different my upbringing was. So I grew up with two parents who didn't drink. I never saw my father drink, not until I was in my 20s and he he started drinking wine. And he picked it up as a hobby. He said he wanted to, to find a new hobby. And then my mom, I think I saw her three times in my life ever. At my bat mitzvah, she had one Cosmo and she would be like trashed she was so such a lightweight she never ever drank and so I I grew up in a household of complete stoner parents that were were cannabis users but I didn't know until I was 14 and I remember it was because I was just so blind and I wonder if you guys were as well my parents were my parents and you don't think of them as people you just think of them as your parents And then one day, the wool is pulled from your eyes or whatever that expression is, and all of a sudden, they're human beings. And I I remember that I was a a 13-year-old kid when I smoked weed for my first time. It was actually grass, and I don't mean grass as a nickname for weed. I mean, I thought it was weed, and my friend had plucked grass from outside and rolled it into a piece of paper and put duct tape over it, and we smoked it. And I sat there and was like, I don't feel anything. And she was like, I do. You don't feel this? I was like, no, I don't feel anything. Because she had thought legitimately that when people said that they smoked grass, that they were smoking grass. And then we found out about a week later that we hadn't smoked weed. So we were determined to get some weed. And so we bought weed. I don't know where we came up with the money or how it happened. But we went down to the beach and we we smoked weed. And I remember we were just we were kids. We were we were 13. We were living life on the on the sand. We it was nighttime. We had smoked the weed and it was just like looking at the stars and talking to each other. And it was a really sweet, beautiful, innocent night. And then I, I came home to my parents house And I remember I sprinted into the bathroom because I was like, I smell like weed. They're going to know if they smell me that I was smoking weed. So I sprinted in the bathroom and I took all of my clothes off and I got in the shower and then I didn't know what to do with my clothes. So I like put them under my bed and my mom came into my room and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's my room, mom. Get out of my room, mom. And a year later, we were in her car driving. And she was like, I can't keep this inside anymore. Like, 
you're you're being so bizarre. It's okay that you smoke weed. Your dad and I would rather you do that than drink. Just be an open, honest person with us. And I was like, you wouldn't understand, mom. You wouldn't understand. She was like, why? Why wouldn't I understand? I smoke weed. And I remember that was like such a crazy light bulb moment for me of the fact that my mom smoked weed. I couldn't believe it. And then I started to see my parents as people for the rest of my life after that. That was like really the opening door. But I was really grateful that they were always super duper cool about what I wanted to do. And it was more about having a close relationship with them and being honest. And it's not like at that age, my parents were really excited about me smoking anything all the time, but they just wanted to know who is their daughter and what is she into and what helps. And I felt really good about the fact that my parents were supportive of everything I wanted to try as long as I did it under their roof or in in a safe way. And so that was my first experience with it ever. And then learning that they smoked weed too, it was a really nice way to kind of bond with them about something that was a a common interest of ours. It was just a strange way to... Crazy. Yeah. I've never met parents like that. And I, I know there's no one way to parent. And I know a concern I hear from parents so much, probably the number one, weed's a gateway drug. And yes and no. I think that addictive behavior is addictive behavior and addictive tendencies can be found in anyone. So it depends what your intentions are and how your behaviors are in general. If you're smoking weed because you want to escape and you want to numb yourself, then of course it's going to be a gateway drug, but not more than anything else in the world because that's what you're searching for. But if you're smoking weed for recreational or medicinal purposes without a reliance on it, then that no longer is an argument that I think should be so weaponized in every discussion we have about weed. It's really true. And and I think that people become very judgmental when I talk about the fact that my parents were open with me about smoking weed. And even even progressive parents are like, that's a little young though. But I would push back and say, how many parents out there or how many kids out there had parents who let them try a sip of beer when they were 15. Exactly. You know, they they said, can I have a glass of wine at dinner? And their parents said, yeah, no problem. Or, you know, having a beer, watching a football game. And my parents did not drink. They were smokers. And I think that that is something that still to this day, even as it is legal in Massachusetts where I'm from and in California where I live, when I tell people, this story, even my most liberal progressive or whatever you want to call people friends, they're like, ooh, I don't know about that. And I feel like it was the best thing my parents could have done for me because it didn't make me look at cannabis like a drug. It didn't make me look at it like something to abuse or hide or be secretive about or that I had to get so incredibly high because if I was smoking that day, uh, that would be like the big night out. I really looked at it and I always from a young age incorporated it as part of my life and lifestyle. And that was a really cool gift that they were able to give me, which is obviously very different than where I'm at now. I'm curious for you guys, especially Dee, going to you hearing that you 
not quit smoking, but didn't smoke for a decade after you had tried it. How was getting back into cannabis? And now that you've been consuming cannabis in some form for a decade almost, what is your relationship today? I don't know why I didn't have that much of an interest in my 20s. I think it was because it was so stigmatized growing up that when I tried it, I was like, okay, I guess whatever, it's not for me. I I don't care to continue trying it. And then my grandma passed away and that's when I started getting panic attacks. And I started going to therapy and that's when I made the decision, fortunately at the same time in California, uh, medical marijuana was uh, had just been approved. And I remember going in and telling the person there that was supposed to approve or give me a prescription uh, why I wanted it. And I said, I want to try it because I have panic attacks. I have a lot of anxiety that I've been dealing with. And as much as cognitive behavioral therapy has been helping to a degree, I would like to try something that is not prescription drugs. And so he gave me a card and I went to the the first you know, type of dispensary that we used to have in Los Angeles. And I asked, I basically said, uh, I'm here to be deflowered, right? I'm a virgin. Uh, what, you know, what's good? Like, let me, you know, what, what should I be trying to sleep or for calming down purposes? Like, what, what do you think helps your anxiety when you feel like that? And that's kind of how I, I just started asking questions at dispensaries and, and asking people what they like. And so I started purchasing it and trying it at home by myself and kind of doing a little self-research and self-therapy. And it was a really interesting journey because I found myself both going through positive and negative experiences the first year that I tried it. The negative experiences were not so negative in the end because I literally would take an edible and uh, it was like an indica edible that was like five milligrams or something like that. And I would start crying. Granted, I was going through grief, so that could have happened to me without the weed, but I found that I don't know what the science is behind this, but it kind of emotionally slapped me in those moments. It kind of helped me like face my fears and really think about my shit to the point where I was watching like Yale University videos on YouTube about mortality and getting super high and watching shit like that. It was a really bizarre uh, grief process that I went through. On the positive note, which again, I don't think the other ones is negative, it really chilled me out. I'm sure if you guys experienced uh, different levels of panic attacks, um, you kind of feel like you're going to die. Your heart's pounding really fast. You kind of feel like you can't breathe. And my husband would actually tell me that sometimes I would kind of pass out from them or, or faint. And that has not happened to me since I've uh, used marijuana. It doesn't mean that I haven't had anxiety, obviously. It doesn't mean that I haven't had panic attacks. They're just milder than they used to be. And whenever I would feel like I was getting anxious, I would take a little five milligram sativa edible. And within 40 minutes, an hour to an hour, however long it takes to have the effect, I would still be sad or upset about the issues that I was going through. I just felt like I could handle them. To another extent, it also just kind of dumbed me down. I feel like my my brain just kind of said, relax, just chill. You don't have to worry about this so much. So I don't know the actual science behind it. I just know that from my experience, it really helped me not feel like I was going to fucking die. Which I think is probably the most important thing you can do for your body is make it feel like you're not going to fucking die. Steph, what about for you? 
have you come a long way on your journey with cannabis or do you feel like it, you're you're still mid journey? Oh, I've definitely come a long way. I have found a deep love and respect for the herb and for what it can offer people and society. I would way rather have a stone society than a drunk society. <laughs> That's a fact any day of the year. I, I, I don't run into aggressive people who smoke weed. I haven't yet. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but I think that's a a really beautiful thing. And in terms of my life, absolutely, I think that like most people, anxiety and depression is really real. And for me, I've spent the past few years looking at a lot of the industries that we have in this world and in America, the food industry, the alcohol industry, Uh, the entertainment industry so many different things have different reasons for why there's laws around them and when you start thinking about how we're okay with all of these chemicals and bullshit being put into children's food and our food things that we fuel ourselves with every day and are so legal and not stigmatized at all but yet We would rather people reaching for Xanax and all of these highly chemical pharmaceuticals, which I'm not downing on. Everyone has their own route and their own way of healing, processing, curing, whatever it may be. But how dare we as a society say you have to go a chemical route as opposed to something that came from the fucking ground? Like, don't hit me with that bullshit. And that took me a while to get to that understanding of it and how much society and laws can play into the way that we interact with things in our world and how dare we as a society not totally uplift nature and natural shit so it's made me a better person in terms of letting me look at the world differently and even looking at cannabis and how we interact as a society with cannabis and black and brown people makes you totally see the world differently and re- reignites the notion and the fact that we have demonized black and brown bodies in this world and this is just another way we've done it so there's so much power to it on both directions and there's so much evil power in the direction of trying to criminalize this herb so true stuff uh, especially how you know I, i'm currently watching dope sick on hulu fantastic show and Obviously, that's it's all about the opioid crisis and the FDA being shitty, and and this is a freaking plant from the earth. It's so true, then, and and so messed up how we live. One of my purposes on being on this planet, I legitimately feel, is to try to destigmatize cannabis, and I feel as if it is so important because of what Steph was just talking about. And if you're you're listening to this and you've never seen me before, I'm a little white girl and I am not typically what somebody pictures when they hear the word stoner. Whatever that means. We all we all get visuals to different words and I don't think that most people when you hear stoner think of a little five foot three, okay, fine, five foot two and a half, blonde, white Jewish girl from a relatively affluent family as the the person when you think stoner child. I don't dress like what people think a stoner dresses like. I don't I don't look that way. I don't have the job of what people think a stoner looks like. 
because that's not real. Whatever society has painted a stoner villain to look like is not real. As Dee and Steph can attest to, for better or worse, I am a psychotic workaholic. I'm one of the most productive people that I know. And yet, I smoke weed every day. And those are both true things about me. And so I really would like to try and help the world reimagine what it is to be a stoner. Because by the way, what is the version of that with a drinker? You know, when when you hear a drinker, it's like, what what the fuck is that? Is that, are you saying an alcoholic? Like, what is that? What is a stoner? Why does it have such a negative connotation? Are we just trying to say that as somebody who is a cannabis consumer? Cannabis being something that is incredibly helpful to a lot of people's lives, as Steph and Dee both just pointed out. Somebody who's trying, like myself, to get off taking a Xanax every day, so instead has herbs from the earth, a plant. Is that what a stoner is? Because if so, I'm really proud to be one and really hope that somebody looks at me, hears I'm a stoner, and maybe changes their mind about looking down on other people who might not look the way that I look who smoke weed. It's so bizarre to think about, Roxy, what you just said, what is a stoner? Because even in our media and how so-called stoners have been portrayed, I think about watching movies growing up in the 80s and 90s and watching something like Fast Times at Richmond High and uh, how, you know, Sean Penn's character Spicoli, who's literally supposed to be this school dropout like stoner, right? Like we've, we've been brainwashed to think that people that smoke weed or that are, are weed users are non-productive members of society, which is such a weird, uh, strange stigma because I have become more productive because I use this drug. It's fascinating that that's how it was portrayed. But at the same time, Spicoli wasn't a bad person, right? He was just a chill dude. And going back to Steph's point about how alcohol is everywhere and we have advertisements for beer and liquor all over the place in all our sports entertainment all the time, I would rather run into a group of stoners than a group of drunks because I'd be scared to uh, run into a group of drunks that's violent because I've never once met a violent stoner. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if we as society can shift here and realize that I don't think when, when stoners talk about cannabis, I at least am not trying ever to convince anybody to consume cannabis. That's not the argument. It's not that you should be doing it. It's saying that when I consume cannabis... I am a very strong version of myself, a version that you want to have a conversation with, a version who's friendly and nice, who isn't anxious or mean, somebody who is grounded and completely with it. And I would like to think that if you legitimately know stoners, if you know anybody who is a cannabis consumer, then probably you love cannabis consumers. Because it's only people who really don't know anybody that consume, that have a, a weird feeling about consumers. And it is also interesting how many people feel like they still need to hide it. And I feel sorry for people that feel like they can't talk about it. And I understand completely why, because it's what society has done. But the more we can say it loud and say it proud, 
hopefully the more things shift. So currently for me, as I, as I mentioned, I am a consumer every day. I, sometimes I don't, if I don't feel like it, you know, just in the same way that if you don't feel like showering that day. <laughs> I like flower the best. I am a big flower girl. And I know that's different for you, D. I know you're edible queen. For me, I think it took me a minute to figure out what I liked and that I I find flower works best for me, which for anybody who's not a consumer is just it in its grown fl- form from the ground as flower, which could go in a joint or a pipe or a bong. It's just it in its flower form. But D, I know that you you have other preferences. I actually do enjoy smoking the flower like I now have developed a love for the smell and and the the effects are definitely different than consuming through your stomach right but what I found is that um, number one I didn't grow up as a smoker so I actually have issues when I smoke like it hurts my throat more than other people right so I just ended up choosing edibles for that reason I also know that now that I've done research I've actually figured out what quantities to take right so I know exactly if I am going to you know I need I need to sleep and I'm feeling a little anxious I know exactly that I'm going to take like a five milligram uh, either CBN edible gummy or uh, or five milligram uh, hybrid to relax at night after work but if I'm going out and be social or to a concert then I know I can take like a five milligram sativa gummy or chocolate right and I've had to also do trial and error of edibles that are gummies versus edibles that are chocolate or brownies, right? Like we all know that a lot of people tried brownies and cookies that were weed brownies and cookies in college. And then you end up uh, calling 911 like that one guy and you're telling the emergency guy that you feel like you're dying because you took too much, right? So that's also a problem. Uh, so that's that's where I found that once I've managed the amounts, I do really prefer edible because I know exactly how long it's going to affect me and for what purposes Uh, versus smoking. I enjoy it, but the effects are obviously not as long lasting. And trial and error. I I just want to say this, Dee, because I know that that can be a scary term for some people, but trial and error is okay in anything in life. And I know, for example, my brother, right? One time, and you hear these kind of stories all the time. One time my brother smoked too much weed. And what does that mean? It means that he got super paranoid. It was too much for him and he just got really paranoid and he decided, okay, weed is not for me anymore. And I would encourage anybody to not let one smoking experience dictate your entire relationship with cannabis in the same way that if you one time drank too much alcohol and sent a text to somebody that was kind of stupid, that doesn't mean that that every time you do that, you're going to text somebody something stupid. So if you are interested in cannabis and one time you take something that didn't work perfectly for you, that doesn't mean that cannabis doesn't work for you. So worth possibly trying again. Definitely. And also a reminder to anybody that cannabis, just like any drug, whether it is prescription or alcohol, it affects everybody differently because we all have different body chemistries. Right. So so the, which is why some uh, friends of mine don't love weed and that's fine. And they prefer something like psilocybin. Right. So it just everybody's different. I often find that living in Los Angeles, I forget about 
weed and it's the criminalization of weed and the legalization of weed because we live in a state where weed at least medicinally has been legal for the entire time that I've lived here and you know that's I've been here 13 years and then recreationally has been legal in this state for a very long time as well and so I forget that that's not what it's like everywhere right now Uh, and Steph I know that you have some further ideas and thoughts and research on this but what what is going on with cannabis in the world today like where are we at right now yeah we've definitely made progress as of an article published by USA Today in April of 2021 around 9 in 10 Americans favored some form of marijuana legalization and I can only assume that that number is probably increased so 9 in 10 wow you have to ask yourself why some states are changing, but why federally it hasn't budged. And that's because it's a fucking scam. And we've talked about how there's this notion that stoners are non-productive citizens. If you listen carefully to a lot of Congress member and pe- members and people in politics, trigger words that they will often use, often on the right side, is not productive citizens and villainized behavior like that because it's easy to blame people for why they can't get out of minimum wage as opposed to questioning the system. So it was back in 2012 that we started to see the most increase for progress and that's when Colorado approved a ballot initiative legalizing the recreational use and sale of cannabis, making it the first state in the United States. Since then, today, we have 17 other states who have legalized the drug in the past 10 years now, which is Colorado, Washington, Alaska, Oregon, Washington, D.C., California, Maine, Massachusetts, Nevada, Michigan, Vermont, Guam, Illinois, Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, New York, Virginia, New Mexico, and Connecticut. So that's pretty cool to see the number of states who have legalized cannabis consumption but there's still a large fight for federal legality of cannabis because it is still a schedule one drug which means that for many federal courts there is a mandatory minimum if you are using or selling in possession of trafficking cannabis or any drug that is schedule one There is a mandatory minimum, which is a different problem for a different day. That's also bullshit. But when you have a lot of states who are starting to legalize it, it's very conflicting when prosecutors decide to prosecute on the federal level for cannabis. And that usually actually always disproportionately affects black and brown bodies. And there is movements. President Obama had signed some paperwork that got a lot of people out of prison who had only cannabis charge as reasons in which why they were incarcerated. But there are still hundreds of thousands of people in jail and that being one of the charges that's against them. So while we've made progress in the sense that we can use it recreationally or medicinally in the states that I have listed, you just have to think about the people that are separated from their families, loved ones in society because of cannabis, which which is crazy to think. So what we can do now is things like this, talk about it, 
and destigmatize it, normalize it, and then get involved locally if your state isn't hasn't yet made it legal. There are a lot of grassroots people and programs and nonprofits that are working to the legalization of cannabis. The biggest thing you can do is research where our tax money is going to, right? So any of our budgets that are going specifically to police departments to do pot busts, that's a very outdated thing that they're doing. Like apparently since 2001 to 2010, before uh, marijuana was becoming legal in some states, over 7 million people were busted for having pot. And this wasn't drug, like big drug dealers or kingpin type people. These were just like kids right, with like a little bit of marijuana, and that ruins your entire life. And we're spending billions in police to do this, these drug busts, supposedly. So uh, you pay attention to who your city controller is, right, and vote for local city council people that are actually trying to make sure that those funds go to the things that we actually need and not putting black and brown people in jail for something that a bunch of people in the U.S. are now enjoying uh, recreationally or using for medical purposes. And I also think it's very shitty that it's still Schedule 1 when people, for example, like veterans that are dealing with PTSD aren't actually allowed uh, or not even allowed, but they don't get recommended marijuana, even though they've specifically expressed that it helps them deal with their PTSD. They get prescription drugs, which they've said only numbs them and doesn't help them. Right. So I think that that's BS, especially when so many politicians claim to care about our veterans. Yeah, there's a lot you can do to help. Don't let things happen quietly, especially if you are privileged. There are elections that are taking place, and then what we vote for is not being followed through. For example, in Massachusetts, we legalized marijuana, and then zoning district-wise in a local election where I'm from in Newton, they were able to put, I believe it was three dispensaries in. But every time dispensaries would try to come in, people would block it. The, The city council, people would try to block this even after the people had voted. And nobody knows that. And if if you research, if you follow up, you can bring it to the local paper and you can let them know and you can really try to make a difference on, on a local level. And then the other thing that you can do is if you live in a place where cannabis is legal, then it is your obligation as a cannabis consumer, if you are to support cannabis companies that are owned and operated by people of color because they have been fucked for so long And it is the easiest thing to find out. You can legitimately just Google uh, black-owned cannabis companies in my area or uh, cannabis companies uh, that are owned by people of color in my area. And there will be different, not just cannabis as in uh, actual cannabis, but there will be also things that you can buy online like smoking devices or pens instead of cartridges and the people who have been most fucked by these laws are the people that we need to now support the hardest because karma. Yes, agreed. And if you've made it this far into the episode and you're not interested in being a cannabis consumer, that's awesome. Totally your prerogative. But just I ask that you look at the facts, you look at how much help and healing this can bring people and make it a part of your mission 
to decriminalize at least we can start we don't need to go fully legal because how do you eat an elephant as my mom says one bite at a time i think going from zero to 100 is really hard but we can definitely take one step towards decriminalization so that people aren't suffering for this and i think even things that i don't consume or i'm not it's not me i can support because it's what's right and this is what's right Mm -hmm. and especially if you don't trust uh, everything the government says we should trust some things you can go back into history and actually uh, know how weed became legal Uh, if you I don't know if you guys know who Harry uh, Anslinger is but um, he was a dickhead who was the dickhead of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics and he was well known uh, in the um, I believe in like the 40s and 50s that he was an early proponent of the war on drugs like he advocated and pursued for harsh drug penalties there's a story uh not only that he was a a propagandist against drugs but uh, apparently he targeted jazz musicians like billy holiday and his department ended up arresting her for drug possession uh it's it's like if you really read about this like learn where our laws come from right like not all laws make sense I know that cannabis is uncomfortable to talk about for some people, and I really appreciate this question coming in from one of our patrons. Lloyd Nance asked us a question, and I'm excited to be able to answer this. He says, is it possible to overdose or have a bad reaction to marijuana? So those two things are completely different from one another, right? We we know as a society, or maybe some people don't know, that nobody has ever died from over-consuming cannabis. Nobody's ever smoked so much weed that it killed them. Nobody's ever eaten so much weed that it's killed them. Very unlike alcohol, which obviously has killed many people from overdosing, from overconsumption. Now having a bad reaction is very possible. And none of the three of us will sit here and lie to you just because we are team cannabis. Having a bad reaction, you could have a bad reaction to anything. You can have a bad reaction to sunlight to dirt and cannabis is certainly something marijuana is definitely something that you can have a bad reaction to does does anybody have a a a bad reaction follow-up that they want to share i've never had i guess the only experience i can talk about personally is i know when i have been too high right i know when i have taken or consumed too much cannabis that i know that i overdid it i never once felt like i was gonna die I never uh, once felt like, you know, I've never once vomited from cannabis or things like that. I don't, I've, I've heard stories that some people have from taking too much, like a brownie, for example. But when I have taken too much, it's more about like, oh, my heart's beating fast. And, and it's just my body reacting to the fact that I took a little too much. Or I'll just head into, you know, Rick and Morty world. And then I feel like I'm in another dimension. And that can be kind of fun personally. I've only heard of people having bad experiences with edibles and it happens a lot with high school students and younger kids and people who are first starting because they think because it's a food that it's better than smoking it and it will be less intense. It's way more intense. It's harder to know what at least I'm not a doctor but one hit smoking is a lot chiller than a brownie and a lot of people don't get that because it's a brownie and it tastes good but that shit will fuck you up and then you will think that weed is like that and that's how you're always going to be when you smoke weed like I remember 
one of my best friends in high school ate an edible and she's like bawling her eyes out the next second I'm like what's wrong she's like there's literal galaxies that are surrounding each and every one of my fingers I was like oh my god I have no idea what you're saying, but we're not doing edibles right now. <laughs> we we got to fix it. So I would just encourage your first experience not to be an edible. And if it is an edible, start with a bite, wait 30 minutes, then try another bite, wait 30 or an hour. <laughs> I think this is a really great place for us to transition to talking about our advice for people, because one of the reasons that sometimes people don't start consuming cannabis or becoming cannabis users is because they're scared or they don't know what to do. And so that's really good advice, Steph, that people should wade into the water slowly, see how you're feeling and react. Any other advice that you guys have for either newbie newbie cannabis users or curious cannabis users or veteran cannabis consumers who just might be looking for some new tricks up your sleeve. Do you anything that you want to tell the people? I mean, I think definitely the biggest things that we talked about a little bit is start small, try at home versus socially, right? Because you're putting a earth chemical in your body that you don't know how you're going to react. So it's much better and, and more comfortable to try it in the safety of your own home for your own peace of mind versus being on like a social gathering the first time you're trying something like that and you don't know how you're going to react, right? Um, so uh, definitely try at home, maybe alone or with a friend that actually is more experienced and could kind of walk you through it. Don't take a bunch uh, at all the first time you do it for sure. And also I definitely was taking like high doses for a while when I was like either depressed or, or, or super anxious uh, during the pandemic. I overdid it a little bit, not overdid it because it wasn't nothing happened. Like it, like we talked about, you don't really overdose, but I definitely noticed that my tolerance shut up. Right. So if, if you're not super new and you're getting into it, like I much prefer it now where I take five milligrams, which is before I'm like, I just took 10 and nine an hour, I need another 10 milligrams. And that just doesn't become as fun for people that are more veterans. And just as always, I'll reiterate that, remember that everyone's body chemistry is different. There's a reason why Roxy here prefers smoking, whereas um, I prefer edibles. Right. My advice would be to the parents, as I talked about my unique situation coming up, I just want to really hit this home that I smoked in high school frequently and i had a 4.1 gpa oh good for you i don't say it to brag i say it because i was a cannabis consumer then and i had a 4.1 and i got into usc which nothing for nothing is a top 20 school in this country uh, and i again don't say that to brag i say that because for any of you parents who are more concerned about your kids with a plant than you are about your kids with Adderall or Xanax or alcohol or any other drug, I think you're looking at this wrong. And I'm not saying that from a parent perspective. I'm saying that from a, a kid perspective who was really struggling, who was not able to get out of her own head a lot of the times, who was having crazy panic attacks and who was really able to find such a love and appreciation for a plant and am so grateful to have had the parents that I did who nurtured that and let me be the best version of myself by letting me consume. 
And so I just hope that people can start to look at it a little differently. We've named a lot of the different pros and cunts, as we like to call it here. But any final pros that you guys think uh, cannabis really provides that we haven't spoken about? Steph, anything for you? Yeah, I believe that for me, at least, I found that it's given me a better understanding of moderation and everything, which is kind of my religion. Instead of believing something's good or bad, it's how do you use it for you? And so it's helped me look at my caffeine consumption, look at my junk food consumption, my healthy food consumption. It's like we can indulge in a lot of things and we can try a lot of things. But instead of like being fearful that our kids just need to be like, don't smoke weed. It's like, why don't you teach them how to not fill addictive personality traits? Or why don't you teach them the actual logic behind it as opposed to just right or wrong? So a pro for me is it just helps me look at the world in a more complex and with more duality and nuance. What about you, Jay? Uh, same as Steph, and I would add that I give myself credit for always trying to learn and evolve and grow as a human being. And I hope that I never lose that until I die because we shouldn't stop growing when we're in our 30s or 40s, etc. But I really give this drug credit for honestly making me less of an asshole. I am a much more chill, relaxed person from going from being a judgmental asshole in my 20s, trying to tell people how to live their lives. I am now turning 40 this year, and I feel like this goth hippie who is much more connected uh, to the universe, and I feel grateful, uh, much more grateful than I did before. And it's just changed. It really has relaxed me as a person. And, it's, and I think it's made me a kinder person because I'm not dealing with a massive amount of anxiety. I think that's a huge pro for me personally. In terms of cunts, there are few, but they exist. The biggest one for me, of course, would be that it is a very expensive, uh, whether you want to call it hobby or medicine, regardless, even if it is medicinal, it is so expensive. Cannabis the higher quality of weed you want to smoke, the more money you are spending. And the more often you smoke or eat, the more money you are spending. So it definitely is something that, like anything else, if you want to get into cannabis, you got to get ready to cough up the cash. Any cons, any cunts for you guys? You're obviously going to deal with judgment from people. Maybe not everyone in your life, if you're fortunate to grow up in Roxy's situation with very open and non-judgmental parents, and you have a different perspective. Most of us, that's not the case, and I'm sure she's experienced stigma about smoking weed all throughout her career. Yeah, especially employers stuff, for sure, for sure. And that sucks. It's really dumb that we still drug test for marijuana. Yeah, I don't believe in... I don't really like explaining myself to people. And I think that that's a huge con that with this, you kind of do. What do you do? I'm trying to think of other cons, but I'm honestly just thinking of more pros. I'm like, music sounds better. Yeah. Food tastes better. <laughs> Sex feels better. <laughs> so D's biggest cunt is 
having to not be on cannabis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Food tastes worse. <laughs> Music doesn't sound as good. Bummer. On food, though, if you're worried about smoking and having there is a stereotype that there is definite truth to it that food does taste better a lot of the times and you are hungrier sometimes depending what strain you're smoking and I do think that the more you smoke the less that that's an actual thing if you know there's a joke within the stoner community that a lot of stoners are really fucking skinny and people don't realize that but it's because there's no longer the oh my god like light bulb food tastes like this it's not the same anymore but if you are getting into it there's definitely a curve you have to get through of the munchies so prepare and get munchies before you smoke so that you can have think anything tastes better when you're high so in my opinion so you could get fruit you can get nuts you can get healthier snacks so you don't have to feel like shit if that does make you feel shittier crunchy things Steph has seen me go through a whole bag of carrots I just munch down it's a really good point Steph that's sort of a a a stupid con uh but for me I'm like yeah if I have the munchies from being stoned and there's a huge bag of lays in my cabinet along with chamoy I'm finishing that bag but not more so than the drunchies no I will say if I come home and I'm and I've been drinking, you better believe not one thing in my cabinet is safe. No, I'm an animal. So thank you guys at home for being a bitch out of water with us and learning about cannabis and being 420 friendly. We appreciate you listening. If you want to be the first to get all things World Girls, go to patreon.com slash theworldgirls. That way you can watch our podcast tapings live, ask questions, and even video chat with us. Plus, we go live on youtube.com slash theworldgirls every Wednesday and Sunday. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We've really ramped up our social media game, so you're going to want to go to Twitter and TikTok at theworldgirls and on Instagram at worldgirlswap. We're new here. So if you like us, you really, really like us. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Fly high and stay wet, my friends.